0: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan.
1: It is Luke Glenn Denning with two goals for the Detroit Red Wings as they knock off the Edmonton Oilers 3-2 tonight at Rogers Place. So another lost homestand for the Oilers. Remember, they lost five straight at Rogers Place just before and just after Christmas. And now they lose three in a row at home going into the All-Star break and the bye week as the Oilers now dip below 500 for the first time In a couple of months, they are 23 24 and 3 on the season, and they are looking up at a lot of teams in the playoff race. A lot was made going into January. They had this stretch of six of seven at home. Could they make up some ground there? Well, they actually won three of their five road games in the month of January but just are not taking advantage of home ice advantage at all. They get just uh, two wins in the month of January at home and they've lost nine of their last 11 at Rogers Place. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, I mean, an- another disappointing result for the Oilers, and uh, I think a lot of deficiencies and a lot went wrong tonight. And we'll start at the beginning and really stretching through the end of the second period. I mean, again, we've been talking about this a lot lately. Nothing going on for one period into the second period. I mean, okay, great, you apply pressure in the third. Well, by then, you've greatly decreases your chances of winning because you've done so little through the first 40 minutes.
2: Well, and we talked about it at the end of the the first period. It was uninspired. Um, You were expecting a a much different effort after the the last two games on home ice. They had a a no practice and a meeting where you thought, okay, things are going to get ironed out. You're playing against a team that you should beat. They're last in the National Hockey League in in points. So this was maybe not a must win, but it's a should win. And it was uninspired. They didn't have the work ethic that they needed to, to to have success in the game. And once you fall behind in a hockey game, you must play perfect hockey. And the Oilers came out in the third period and they threw everything they had at them. I, mean, I bet you McDavid's line played 10 to 11 minutes of that period. But because you've fallen behind, you have to play perfect hockey. Everything's got to go your way. The bounces, the penalties, the calls, uh, the saves. But they didn't get the one save they needed and it was a goal that I think Koskinen would want back and everything he pushed forward all of a sudden is taken away with that goal against and now you got to fight back again down two and the others just didn't have it in them and again the same thing keeps creeping in if it's if it's not the McDavid line putting the offensive push in there's a lull afterwards till they get out there again, and I'm sure the Detroit Red Wings felt that. They they felt that when okay when McDavid's out, there, it's it's a tense bench, but when his line goes off, well now there's a relaxation, and you it, that's not a recipe for success if you have to continue to wait for one line to get on the ice for you.
1: So three-two Detroit wins, Rob, and it's it's really kind of mystifying. I mean, this is you and I have been doing this together for, for six seasons. Now, we've, we've had some really, really bad weather teams in, in that run. But even the year they made the playoffs, a lot of times we talked about, they, they had a stretch where they, I think they had about a 15-game stretch where they were falling, giving up goals, you know, falling behind 2-0, 10, 15 minutes into the game. I mean, it's really weird. I mean, the, there have been different players, different goaltenders, different coaches, and they continue to be a team that generally starts games poorly, that doesn't get out there and take the initiative or, or try to match or exceed the other team's work ethic. And then when you have holes in the roster like this one, it, it really bites you.
2: Yeah, at one point, we, we talked about it, a lot of teams that are built around skill usually try to wade themselves into a game, see what, what the temperature is the game of the game before they start putting their, their first foot forward. Uh, but when you're built as a big and strong team is what the Oilers over the last couple of years have become, those are the teams that usually have strong starts because it's simple to play big and strong. You dump pucks in, you go in, you be physical, you go hit. Uh, but with that lineup, the others still start slow. And and I, I don't know, we, we always used to look at the percentages. When a team scores first, it was something like 70% of the time they win the hockey game. I'm guessing it's somewhere, somewhere along that, that still... And yet the Oilers can't find a way to, to come out strong, they can't get the save they need, they can't get the dump in, they can't, the puck bounces the wrong way, but those some of those games it was bad bounces, but what we've seen in the last few games is just poor play, I mean they're not coming out there and you know what, they've, they've got control of things and then a bad bounce and a bad break and they're down one nothing. they're being outplayed and they're being outplayed by teams that are mediocre. It's one thing to be outplayed by the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Calgary Flames or the San Jose Sharks. They are elite teams. Uh, Carolina's not an elite team. The Detroit Red Wings aren't an elite team. You shouldn't be outplayed on home uh, on home ice for long stretches, in this case two periods before you push forward. So, And they were outplayed by Florida, a game they won this yeah, month. That's, yeah, you're right yeah. too. So it's, it's something that, I, honestly, I don't know what the the root of the problem is, and I'm sure that... If Hitch or, or Todd McClellan before him had known, they would have somehow weeded that out as well. But you can't fall behind and, and, and think you're going to win games simply because the others are not strong enough team to fall behind. they got one line that scores goals. And you, you fall behind one, two, three goals, you're not coming back.
1: So 3-2 Detroit wins tonight. Obviously, the Oilers now going into a break. Uh, There's a a lot of speculation about the future of uh, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager Peter Shirelli. Mark Spector from Sportsnet has put on Twitter, active consideration inside the Oilers organization tonight, re-firing Shirelli could happen at any time. So obviously this has been uh, something that, now this has not uh, happened. We don't know if it would happen uh, post-game, so I guess stay tuned, could happen tomorrow morning, I I would think if it doesn't happen pretty soon uh, then you're probably sticking with them for the, the rest of the season
2: I, I, I'm honestly surprised that if it happened now after you know there was movement there was a, a big contract was signed two players were put on waivers and a third player was sent to the minors if if you were going thinking you're going to do the move I, I, I was surprised that those things all happened in the last 48 hours but uh, I mean you just lost tonight on home ice to the team that coming into the game at the fewest points in the National Hockey League that doesn't bode well
1: yeah, 3 2 Detroit wins it tonight. We'll get post game reaction from both dressing rooms. We'll go to the uh, phone lines in a few, minute, uh, few minutes at 780 496 0063. You can also text 636 30. Actually, we have Hitch right now. Here's Ken Hitchcock, courtesy GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices. GCLDiesel.com.
0: Go quick, gang. Hitch, um,
3: just another night of the first 40 minutes. Not a lot of intensity, not a lot of offense. Uh your group has shown that steadily here the last few games. What's what are you reading? What are you seeing from this group? You got enough?
0: I don't want to get into that mark, you know. That's not that's not my game. I just I just know that when you're chasing games like we're doing right now, it's that's a formula for losing. We're chasing games every night and the other team can sit back against that that one line and defend and it's hard because they're looking at five people all night. But when you're chasing games, that's not a winning formula. And I don't know what else to tell you there, but I don't want to get into the personnel side of things. That's, that's stuff for we, – we, we just know we've got to get more from some people, and we've got to figure out a way. That's our job.
1: All right, that's it from Hitch. Short and sweet tonight.
2: Well, you know Hitch is frustrated when, when he's not spending time talking to the to the media because there's not a, a, a man that I know around the game of hockey that enjoys talking hockey more than Hitch. So if he's not talking, that means Hitch is very frustrated. Three two, Detroit
1: wins it tonight. Uh, Edmonton started nine two and two under Hitchcock. They now are five and twelve in their last seventeen games. And as I referenced off the top of the show. Uh, starting to fall behind a lot of teams in the playoff race. I I said at the beginning of the month that if they could be four points or closer to a playoff spot, I would be relatively optimistic about their chances in February, March, and April. Obviously, the closer they were or Mm. in a playoff spot would have been more optimistic, but four was kind of my line where I thought, well, if you're in a couple wins, they probably won't be because other teams are, uh, are playing each other tomorrow. I mean, Minnesota plays tomorrow. Vancouver plays tomorrow. Uh, Anaheim uh, and St. Louis. Well, St. Louis is still behind Edmonton about a couple points, but Anaheim plays St. Louis. So uh, it's going to be probably four or five points with uh, probably three or four teams between you and a playoff spot. So, I mean, I, I, I can't be optimistic in that situation, especially, get, and I know Clefbaum's coming back, but even if Clefbaum comes back and plays 25 perfect minutes a night, that still leaves over half the game where they're going to continue to have, possibly continue to have the
2: same struggle. Well, Clef uh, bomb's not going to be coming here and producing offensively like they need. So they, he's not going to make their forwards better. He's not going to score for the wingers. Um, I said that the Oilers would sneak into the playoffs at the beginning of the season. I'm going to stick with it. But the Edmonton Oilers have a very tough February. The Jan- we, You and I have looked at, at monthly schedules, and we talked about the fact that January was a very... Um, favorable schedule for the Edmonton Oilers. It would be a chance for them to pick up some points on the rest of the league. February isn't. February is tough. They got some tough road games. They got some tough back-to-backs. They have. The, so, they're playing against some of the elite in the National Hockey League. They will have to be much better than they have been as of late because the games that they've been close in against teams that are below them, they're not going to be close against teams that are ahead of them in the standings because many good teams out there for them to come in and, and play like they did through the first 40 minutes.
1: Well, and, that, and that's the thing, and I've, I've said this before, when they have played some of the top six, seven teams in the NHL, they've had some nights where they're not in the game. I mean, mm-hmm. San Jose toyed with them twice, uh, Tampa Bay pulled away in the final 30 minutes. You know, New Year's Eve against Winnipeg again. They probably played as well as they could and lost. And uh, Calgary, they they didn't play that well, but again, just weren't good enough to play the Flames. So, but so and but now they're not even scratching out points against the mediocre and poor teams. And, and that's that, really concerning. Well,
2: and that that is the concerning thing because that's the one thing that the Oilers. You, you know that if they stay close in games and they get into the extra. extra Periods, they're going to get pickup points because they're going to win shootouts. They're going to win overtime. So when you're playing against poor teams, especially on home ice, you would think at the very least you'll get the tie, go into overtime, get a point in overtime, and you get your two points. You don't play as well as you should have, but you're playing well enough to get points against bad teams. Well, right now the Oilers have been playing like a bad team. This, is as, this last little stretch is as poor as I've seen them play. They're, they're not creating anything offensively outside of the... Uh, Nugent Hopkins or Seidel or McDavid and defensively they're bleeding chances and tonight was a great example. It was a one on two and Glendening comes down and he turns it into a partial breakaway. You just can't have that in a game where you need to defined points, so uh, I, I'm sure the players in the dressing room when they get interviews and we'll hear them later in the show are going to be just as disappointed as the fans are driving home but something has got to change because the way they're playing right now is not conducive to make a playoff run Yeah,
1: we'll also go into the Detroit dressing room later on for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals License Insolvency Trustees Well, and that's, uh, that's a good point, Rob I mean, there's, there's the big picture stuff and, again, there's tons of speculation tonight that 18 hours from now, Peter Shirelli won't be the general manager. We'll see. Uh, but it, a, a new GM, Shirelli being dismissed, won't change the, the, the roster that nope. they have now and you know won't change some of the things they have to work on. So that's Hitch and the players. And, and as flawed as the roster still is, I have – I. I have been thinking most of the time, maybe I'm vastly wrong, that they're, they're capable of playing at least a bit better than they have uh, most, of, most of this month.
2: Well, I, I agree. And I just think that there there's players that are, are in roles that aren't playing to their role. Um, you don't need... There's guys on this in this lineup up front, they're not there to score goals, but they've got to be a physical presence. They've got to play with some edge. They've got to make it hard on the other team physically. Uh, and uh, too many nights it doesn't happen. Uh, defensively, I think, uh, well, having on back in the lineup will certainly help the dif- defense because there's some players that have, I think, have played themselves out of the lineup as of late. And, but just simple little mistakes. And, and right now, to me, the team uh, out there tonight looked like they were playing nervous. They were playing hesitant. And you can't play at the National Hockey League and have success at that point. Because and it's it, with Bob after at the end of the game, the other team feels hesitation in your game, and they see it and they thrive on it. And Oilers are coming into games right now, and there's hesitation right from the very drop of the puck to start the game, and the other team feels it, and and that's where they get their little surge to start games because they feel the Edmonton Oilers lack of confidence. So hopefully over the the ten game or the ten day break, uh, they come back rejuvenated, feeling. Better about themselves in their game, because right now it 's probably the best thing that could possibly happen as they get away from the rink because i don 't think you find your game overnight as obviously the others have't over the last week to two weeks so three two Detroit wins it
1: tonight, uh, Edmonton coming to life in the third. Uh, they actually badly outshot a team finally in the third 17 seventeen three drydal and Benning scored, but you know you talk about the things that continue to, to go wrong that Detroit scores on one of their three shots in the third and Koskinen with the new contract, I mean, that, that can't go in.
2: That can, Well, in, in all honesty, uh, normally that all three goals that he, they gave up today, he would stop. Um, the first one, he was off his angle. The second one went through him, and the third one went through him. Uh, now, this game isn't on Koskinen because the team was terrible in front of him through 40 minutes. Uh, but you do need a save, and tonight, well, simple. Howard was better in net than Koskinen, and well, more or less, the, the Detroit Red Wings were a better hockey club through the majority of the game than the Edmonton Oilers were.
1: And Hitch mentioned, too, that when, and he was he said what you were talking about, when the McDavid, whoever he's with, is on, is on the ice, the other team thinks, okay, we're going to have to defend for 40 to yep. 45 seconds, survive, and then, and then we can go to town. And how many times tonight, and, and Recently, have you seen a McDavid shot get blocked? Oh. And then fly up into, the, fly up into yeah. the netting behind the glass because they, they surround him, put sticks, okay, you're not going to pass. You try to shoot through all these sticks and legs. We're just going to worry about that and then change lines and away we go. Yeah,
2: I, it was one of the best defensive efforts against McDavid that we've seen all season long. Every time he came down the middle, they had four guys clogging. And they were, you know what? You can move it to someone else and he can beat us, but we're not letting you beat us that way. Um, yeah, it's, they, they, the stress level for, for the Detroit Red Wings lasted as long as McDavid was on the ice. When McDavid left the ice, the stress level went down and you could have a deep breath. It's like playing golf. You go to a real, real tough golf course where every shot is stressful. You got trees tight, you got water in front of you, they're fast greens. There was no easy par four out there tonight. Uh, or, or there were too many easy par fours out there tonight for the, for the Detroit Red Wings because whenever McDavid left the ice, it just became much easier. You didn't have to think. When McDavid's on the ice, you were in a stressful situation. And we saw at the end how stressed it became for the Detroit Red Wings. McDavid and settle and Nugent Hopkins played the last three minutes and 46 seconds of this game. And that's where the stress level hit its peak, again, for the Detroit Red Wings. But again, you need bounces, you need breaks. And if you're always chasing a game, as Hitch says, everything has got to go right for you. And obviously it didn't at the end of the game as pucks were just bouncing wide, just bouncing over sticks, and the Oilers weren't able to find the equalizer. All right, three-two, Detroit winning
1: it over the Oilers tonight. So Edmonton falling to twenty-three, twenty-four, and three on the season. You may have heard Jack say it after the game. First time since November twenty-third they've actually been under five hundred. They've been two five hundred several several times this month, but they've always won the next game to uh, jump back up above. But not able to do it uh, to do it tonight. Uh, Again, a lot of uh, speculation that there uh, could be a dismissal of General Manager Peter Shirelli. Obviously, uh, nothing confirmed along those lines. It is just speculation at this point. And uh, I, I don't know if it, w- if it is going to happen, if it w- would be uh, announced after a game. I would say that would be relatively unusual. If the, I mean, it usually would be announced.
2: Well, normally it doesn't happen during a regular season. You don't normally. Well, true. Yeah. So yeah. it, I guess the, the blueprint is is going to be new if something like that happens. But I don't know. It's it, it is a, it is a tough time right now for the other players and for the other fans because this is not what people are expecting, and coming into this All Star break. We all talked about it. Six and one at, at you know record. Maybe a five and two record. You go in feeling good about yourself to drop these last three games on home ice. Uh, I mean, I I'm in disbelief myself too.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know you, you feel like you go in okay, well with modest expectations, the playoff race isn't that good. If they can just stay afloat, uh, you know. And, and again, other teams that aren't playing well,
2: and the Oilers are are falling behind. Them. Well, they are, and the, the problem you get, and we've talked about this too many times over the last number of, number of years, it gets to a point where it's not just points, how many points you're behind. It, it gets how many teams you're behind. Because what happens, there's going to be a stretch here, and the Oilers will be in it as well, but there's going to be a stretch where all the Western Conference teams and all the Pacific Division teams are going to start playing against each other. And that means each time they play each other, one of them is gaining points. So you may be chasing seven points, but if you've got four teams in between you, Every night, one of those teams is getting points so it doesn't matter what you do you're not gaining so uh, it, it's it's going to be a very important stretch coming out of this all-star break and it's it's imperative that the players they they stay focused you know you have a little fun for the little the first little bit but you got to come back the Oilers cannot lose a step when they come back for those first two games in Philly and Montreal those are two teams that are desperate as well for points and The Oilers are at the point right now where they've got to go on a a really, really nice run here in the month of February.
0: That'll be
1: our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. The final tonight, Detroit 3, Edmonton 2. Back down to the dressing room for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices. GCLdiesel.com. Here's Alex Chason.
4: How was the
3: belief... The strength of the belief in this group. Do they still believe in themselves? What's
4: going on here? Yeah. Um, obviously, I think with uh, uh, what's going on in the, the media and all that, um, I think a lot of people may ask themselves that. Uh, the best answer I, I can give you is, you got to start by yourself. You got to. Everyone here has to look in the mirror and ask themselves if they do, if they're doing enough, uh, if they're playing the right way, and if they're playing for the team. Um, I know for myself, that's what I do after every game. Uh, I haven't been playing my best lately, but I thought tonight was a step in the right direction for me, and uh, I think I have an important role for the team, and um, you gotta ask by, you gotta start by looking at yourself, um, make sure you bring your best every night, every day. Alex, maybe just talk about the timing of this break. Obviously, players have uh, expressed their frustration over the past two weeks. Is, is this maybe a good thing for the for some of the guys to maybe step away a little bit and recalibrate? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's be honest here. We, we've talked about, uh, a lot about uh, some of our big guys here with Connor, Leon, Nuj, uh, Darnell, the uh, they 're playing big minutes, um, obviously the, the core of this team they do a lot for us, and um, I think for them it 'll be uh, a much needed break and also for for everyone else I, I think uh, it, it's it 's being let um, 's not forget where we are right now um, i think it's it, it may be a good time for us to get away from each other a little bit and come back energized.
1: All right. Well, they'll need to do that for sure. Alex Chason of your Edmonton Oilers as they lose 3-2 to Detroit. More post-game reaction coming up. We have phone lines open at 780-496-0063. We will get to that as well. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, live in Studio 99, Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line.
0: Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osbomotion. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. six to so Mike Green, lead
1: pass right wing. Here's a snap off to Athanasiou. He's in a backhander glove save. Miko Koskinen. He's had to make two terrific saves tonight. All right, that's your save of the game for Jiffy Lube. Get winter ready at JiffyLubeService.ca. Koskinen, however, takes the loss in goal tonight as the Oilers are beaten again. The final at Rogers plays 3-2 in favor of Detroit, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us. We're live in Studio 99 as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Drive away with your new or used trailer. Head to Edmontontrailer.com. How about this one? The Sharks over the Capitals, 7-6 in overtime. Ovechkin a hat-trick in the losing cause. He has 36 goals on the season. The Sharks tied it with a second left in the third on a goal by Kane, and then Hurdle wins it in overtime.
2: Yeah, it was an exciting game. Just watching the stats going nonstop as we kept checking on that one, the Sharks scored two in the third, the one with one second left to tie it. The one thing that the Sharks are doing right now is scoring goals. They're not, they're not stopping many, but the, the one thing they can do that the others have not been able to do, they can outscore their mistakes.
1: Coyotes win on the road again. 3-2 over the Senators. They move a game over 500. The Blackhawks get by the Islanders. 3-2 in a shootout. Jonathan Taves had a goal in that one for Chicago. His 22nd of the season. And the Flames win again in overtime. 3-2 against the Hurricanes. Backland scores 15 seconds in overtime. Carolina tied that late. Ajo scored at 19-16 of the third.
2: Yeah, we watched the end of that game uh, in our booth and uh, Calgary had a number of great chances to extend the lead. Carolina just kept coming. Ajo is having a fantastic season for the Carolina Hurricanes. He's representing them at the All-Star game here this week, and Calgary, they just keep finding ways to win hockey games though.
1: All right, three- two, the Oilers lose to Detroit Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Gary standing by. Hey, Gary, thanks for calling. How are you doing? Uh, I want to ask this one, Reed, uh, to Rob, because I really believe this and I think that you guys will comment on it later, but there's two things you
3: look at for a hockey player. Number one is skating and ability, or agility. Number one is Larson, Russell, Benning, Gervell, and then they trade for two two players that are slow, Manning and Petrovic. And then you look at our forwards that are slow, Lucic, Boziak, Kara, Chason, there's eight players that are slow. The game is now speed. So <clears throat> the question is, what do you think?
2: Well, all the players you, you you name, they're not. I mean, they're not all the root of the problem for this team. Uh, Larson's having a tough stretch, but he's he's played pretty well as an Edmonton Oiler. Uh, Russell, I think, has looked fine. Uh, there are there's some holes in this lineup. The, the, Peter Shrelly, when he came in here talked about he wanted to get big and mean big and nasty that's the way he thought he had to win in the Western Conference unfortunately the rest of the conference went the other way and the the speed of the game is now the most important part of the game as we see these teams that come in here with all the speed and I mean the Calgary Flames are a great example they they are a team built on skill and speed they got some some abrasiveness in their game and Kachuk's a great example so is Giordano Um, but there's been some mistakes made there's some holes on this team and unfortunately right now the Edmonton Oilers have got a big drop off once certain players leave the ice and they they're getting beat simply because when the top line's out on the ice the rest of their players are not good enough or have not played good enough this year to to keep them in the hockey games yeah I mean up
1: front they they don't have a second line nope that's I mean you can put McDavid and Dreisaitl and find somebody it, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a high-profile nope. other guy. And then oftentimes it's been nuge with whoever they're hoping might be might be hot or, or is the latest player to, get to be well, an experiment well, on the what, second
2: line. What the Oilers have is they have a very good first line and they've got a pretty pretty good fourth line. When, when, when and Brodziak and whoever you want there, Lucic or Kara there, what they don't have is a second and third line. And they're getting killed in games because the other teams have got depth. When the Oilers play against teams that are three, three to four lines deep, they're in trouble. I mean, the Calgary Flames, right now, they get Kachuk playing on their third line. Um, that's a pretty good third line guy when he has over 50 points. So the Oilers right now, they were built one way, and unfortunately, the National Hockey League is having success with teams built other ways.
1: Well, I don't even know if they're if it, if it was just a complete grinding game. If they're even built for that, because because you still have to score some goals at forecheck. I mean, that's and that goes back to it for me. When I say to you, they they don't get any offensive pressure. Like I'm talking, like they don't, they don't even forecheck for thirty seconds, even without a shot on goal or or force the other team to dump it well, out
2: change. Well, again, they they got a first line and a fourth line. I mean, uh, the Brodziak, Cassian and Lucic or if you put Care there, that's a pretty good fourth line. And we've seen them have some success just keeping the puck going, keeping momentum going. But the second and third line is is not there and we've had a number of callers that have called in the last little while complaining either about Leon or about Ryan Nugent-Hopkins not being able to uh, lead a line, push a line in the second line role. Well, they don't have players that are complimentary enough to play with them and they're by themselves how many nights have you and i sat here afterwards say nuge had a great game but he did everything and the others have uh, traded away or moved away a lot of different wingers that could complement those players very well and now they're struggling to find guys that can fit in a second line or a third line role
1: all right three two detroit wins it tonight seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have fraser standing by hello fraser Hi, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. So I was wondering about what's the constant line juggling. Does it hurt guys' confidence? The yesy cooly arby Sorry, Fraser. Can you say that again? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I was just wondering about the constant line juggling and how that hurts guys' confidence. Like yesy
3: cooly arby Like obviously you gotta perform the play up high, but after a while, do you think you should have to stick them somewhere?
2: Well, y- y- yes and no. I, I mean, right now hitch and tom mcclellan before him are trying to find, if you're talking about jesse in particular trying to find they'd love for ha- to have him blossom into what they expected him to be they this team is so desperate for a a winger that can can provide offensive punch that uh, the, he's they'll give him every opportunity now right now what i see with jesse and what i see with yeah yamamoto and some of the other fours but the skilled players They're playing nervous, they're playing hesitant, they're playing a little scared, scared to make mistakes because they know that if they make a mistake, they're going to get bumped down a line or down two lines, they're going to sit on the bench and when you're an offensive player, you cannot play nervous, you cannot play hesitant because it takes away your attributes. They didn't bring Yamamoto to draft Yamamoto in the first round to go off the glass and out. They didn't get to to come here and just dump the puck in so they're afraid to make the plays they want to make because their ice time will be cut when they make a mistake. Having said that, if you're not scoring, and this is more on Pooley than Yamamoto, when you're not scoring, you've got to do the little things right. And that's the biggest thing that Todd McCullough had a problem with, and then Ked Hitchcock has a problem with with Jesse, is when he doesn't have the puck, sometimes he looks lost.
1: So, but do you think Hitch
2: has drained any creativity or confidence out of them? Uh, um, yeah, all coaches, any coach that takes a skilled player and if they make a mistake takes their ice time away that takes away some of your confidence absolutely
1: seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have Joanne standing by hey Joanne nice to hear from you
3: oh thanks very much you know there's nothing that I could say probably that you haven't already said but I was looking watching tonight and the millions of dollars worth of players on that ice and they're dancing up and down the ice that's that's awful that's awful and that the, the, the uh, fans are paying for that like I bet you I've, I've read different stuff and and heard different stuff about Rob and I bet you Rob at no time did you go into the dressing room and have to go and have somebody go and tell you okay Rob tonight we're gonna play like that's nuts. That's absolutely. Anyway, i finish finished venting, and I'm sorry,
1: and have a good evening. No, no need to be sorry, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I agree that there were some efforts on this three-game homestand that were pretty poor. Yep. Uh, but but I, I think I go back to something: how much is well, just try harder, and how much. Okay, they pick. I'm not. Well, I'm not mean to pick on this guy, but Colby Cave. You pick up him off waivers. He's hardly played in the NHL. He's you know, you know an older guy who's getting a sh- uh, a shot here. I-, I don't know if his that if he's not performing or not noticeable because of a lack of effort. That just might be who he is as a player well, too. So it's there's a little bit of both. I think.
2: Well, I agree absolutely with you, but and it also goes to what you and I have talked about before when people call in and say, you know what. Uh, they're not playing as well as they should. They should be this. They should be that. Well, maybe the expectation if it's over and over yeah, again. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it's all they maybe the expectation is way too high. Maybe this is what they are. And you and I talked at the beginning. We thought that they would be a playoff team that would sneak into the wild card spot. Well, that's where they are right now in the standings. They're within distance of sneaking in. This is what we expected of them. Um, I maybe little worse, little maybe a little w- worse, little, for, for maybe a little now, worse, but, maybe, yeah. maybe the effort level on some nights. But uh, this. It, when you see it over and over and it's not just 40 or 50 games this year I mean it was last year as well Yeah. maybe, maybe this is what, what they are maybe the expectations were just way too high for what this other team is capable of doing maybe two years ago was an aberration and it just pushed everyone's expectations, everyone's hopes way, yeah. way too high
1: you expected Shaquille O'Neal to score a lot of points in a game. You didn't expect him to do it from the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, he was a flat out as great as he was. He was bad at free throws. So the people waiting for him to get better and add that to his game, he, he never did.
2: And, and again, we we talked about it, and I said it at the end of the game or at the end of the year two years ago that the the Oilers had a number of players have career years and. When everyone's having a career year, there's going to be a letdown. Now, there's three stars that are right now having another career year, but everyone else on this team are back to where they probably are. This is probably who they are. And unfortunately, it's not who everyone wants them to be.
1: All right, 3-2, the Oilers lose to Detroit. We have more post-game reaction, more of your reaction as well. We're live in Studio 99, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line.
0: Oilers hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. The
1: final at Rogers Place, Red Wings 3, Oilers 2, scoreless first period, though the Oilers were outplayed in the opening 20. Then Detroit gets 2 in the second period, Larkin and Glenn Denning. The Oilers finally start getting the puck to the net in the third. Dreisaitl gets a rebound goal, but just a minute 57 later, Glenn Denning got one through Koskinen to make it 3-1 Detroit. The Oilers pulled Koskinen with 3:24 left in the game. Benning fired home his second of the season. The Oilers able to pull him again with about a minute 50 left, and they didn't really get another chance. Actually, twice Detroit just missed length of the ice, empty netters. Larkin fired one down, just missed for an icing, and then about 15 seconds later, Helm fired one down the ice, and he actually was complaining he got slashed on the play too as he shot it down the ice. His just went wide for an icing, but actually the best chance the Oilers had in the final minute, Darnell Nurse tried to feed one through or get a deflection, just missed. It wrapped around the boards and went out. They never really
0: got that,
2: it in. And that hurt. That hurt a lot. There's one thing that you want to make sure you do when you're in that situation: you cannot miss the net because you miss the net, it just eats up the rest of the time. And that's what happened on that one right there. Uh, you know, if you want to look at positives, I thought Benning had a very good game tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. I thought he he looked it. I thought, and Chase On, we we heard him talk. He thought that he played well, and I agree. I thought this was a really good game for Chase On again tonight. So there were there were a few players that did stand out unfortunately there's way too many that stood out the wrong way all right three two
1: detroit wins we have marco on the open line who's also going to finish the play but uh, marco go ahead with your thought or your question first
3: um i'm just wondering you guys because as a a season ticket holder you know i love going to oilers games but i'm just wondering like what can we expect the oilers to do here in the rest of the season to keep people coming back for next season
1: well like we said i the the roster is not going to change a lot uh, in terms of people coming back, I mean, like we've always said, that's I'm not going to tell people how to spend their money or their free time. So if people want to go to games, they'll go. If you don't want to go, go. what's kept you coming back, Marco? Why have you kept your season tickets?
3: You know, honestly, just, just being a home, hometown boy, just loving growing up, watching the Oilers and, and, you know, just seeing the potential that they have because it, it seems like just one game they show up and the next game they don't.
1: Yeah, well, I think this homestand. I'm not sure if <laughs> they <laughs> <laughs> were yeah. you at the Carolina game. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's frustrating too because it, I mean we've talked to death how the the holes in the roster, but you can't when you wake up when it's three nothing, three nothing, and then tonight two nothing. I I don't know, Marco. I mean, I, I don't think they're a great team, but I, I sit here thinking like, what well, what if they what if they played a little bit like they played in the third earlier now other teams maybe you're sitting back a little bit in too, detroit but, was
2: sitting back. but but, well, I, but i understand your question
1: how is it going to go the rest of the year yeah kind of thing i, I don't like, I, I i honestly don't know because they have had a couple of good bursts this season and i think they can play better but i don't know how long but, they can do it for
2: but teams that are mediocre to below mediocre the reason they are is they're inconsistent the everyone has bad games the calgary flames the tampa bay lightning san jose sharks they'll have off games but it's few and far between the 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 average to below average teams they'll have a a game where they look like world beaters then they'll put two together where they look like they're not going to make the playoffs and that's and there's a whole number of teams that are in that category in the national hockey league and that's why they are where they are in the standings we're fighting for playoff spots and i don't see the oilers bouncing out of that type of team I, I just think that they are a, a middle of the road at best hockey club that has a chance to win every game because they have the best player in the world who's having a great season on their team but because of the other holes in their lineup, they, uh they also have a chance of losing every game so it, it's it's McDavid versus the, it's like if you have a little weigh scale, McDavid's on one side, the holes in the lineup are on the other, and unfortunately tonight, the holes in the lineup was the one, one and caused the Oilers to come out of this game with no points. Yeah,
1: and it, it, it like I, I I grow now increasingly pessimistic about a playoff spot. 49 points with 32 games left, so if you got to get to say you know 92, you're looking like they, they're not going to get two thirds of their points. The rest of the way, it's well, it's unlikely.
2: It's unlikely. I it's it's possible. See, and I, I mean, I'm never. I, I know that some people they'll look at each stretch they go through and they'll change their mind. I said all along that they would be a wild card team. I'm going to stay at. They're going to be a wild card team, but they certainly need to play a lot better than they have. And the biggest problem for them isn't how many points behind they are. The biggest problem yeah, for them there. is the number of teams between them and a playoff spot.
1: All right, let's finish the play with Marco. We're hoping to put his name into a uh, grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline-pumping, fun. Fast Track Karting, Edmonton.com. Larkin looking to create one last chance. Checked off the puck by on, then got it back from help from Nyquist. The drive by Erickson. It's sitting top of the blue paint. What a save! Okay. Which forward kept that out of the net, Marco? Do you remember that play at the end of the first? Leon Dreisaitl kept that bad boy out of the net. <laughs> Larkin looking to create one last chance. Checked off the puck by Chase on then got it back from help from Nyquist. A drive by Erickson. It's sitting top of the blue paint. What a save made by Dreisaitl. Once
0: and twice to deny an empty net. What
1: all right, Marco, good stuff. You're in the grand prize draw. Thanks a lot for calling as well, and uh, yeah, we feel your frustration. We, we, we hear from uh, a lot of season ticket holders on and off air, and I wish I could make some confident guarantee, but it, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating the, the way they've lost several games, you know, not showing initiative out of it early. And, and I mean, again, even... We talked about seven four the other night. That's dressed up seven four lost to San Jose in December. That even tonight you could kind of argue three two is this, this wasn't a this didn't feel like a one goal game. No, it once didn't. we got into the second period, not for fifty minutes it didn't. Yeah,
2: no, it, it, the Oilers had a push, and you would hope that there would be one. But again, and I don't, I wish we could get a stat on how much McDavid played in the third period because it had to have been over 10 minutes because he played 346 of the last 346 of the game. Yeah. They never came off the ice and they had a push, but you need more than than two guys or three guys to, to, to be able to make a push because you're finding out right now with... Those three guys having career years, it's still not good enough to get them into a playoff spot.
1: Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630 com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cook right at your table. Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. We have Jack standing by on the open line. Good evening, Jack.
0: Good evening. I uh, just want to talk uh, for a moment about, uh, about management with the Oilers. Uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm defending uh, Peter, but the decisions that are made within that organization are, are made by committee. Uh, to suggest that one person makes all the decisions is is not accurate. So if they're going to remove the GM, uh, this might not be good news for Euler fans, but I really don't think it's going to really change the organization if they don't change the nucleus of uh, of that leadership group.
2: Having said that, so the way it should work is they, they will have a committee, they'll have a group, and everyone will put their input in and what they like, what they don't like, what they who they want, who they don't want. And then the GM will make the final call. And there's times where he'll go against the recommendations. There's times he'll go with the recommendations. But, yes, there's going to be – this isn't all – everything. So all the – so the players that they brought in that were NHL players that they brought over, the pro scouts would have – Recommended those players. The, the amateur guys, certain players that drafted the trade when they traded Griffin for the Griffin Reinhardt trade, the amateur scouts would have been involved with that as well as the pro scouts would have been right. involved with that. So yeah. you're, and he, and you're right.
1: And he changed a lot of the scouts. And I think, I, I you know what, Jack, that's a very mature yeah. statement that you're making, but uh, unfortunately, one guy's likely going to take the fall if there's a change.
0: I, and, and from a leadership know. perspective, I get that. From a leadership yeah. perspective, somebody has to take the fall. And I, I certainly don't have any inside information, but there's a nucleus of individuals within that organization that I would say have as much or more influence than Peter Shirelli does. So my question would be, does he really have the autonomy to make some of these decisions?
2: I believe and, yes, and, and yes. I, I, believe I believe he does. So? He does. I believe okay. he does. Absolutely does. Yep. But, and another thing, too, if someone ever does come in here, they have the ability to bring who they want. So I mean, Peter Shirelli brought in a bunch of different scouts. Uh, I believe it was Peter Shirelli. Was he not? He brought Keith Gretzky. He brought Keith Gretzky, but did he not change the head scouting staff too? Uh, Yeah. So he brought his own head scout in, amateur scout. So these are guys that Peter Shirelli had brought in a lot of them, and I do honestly believe 100% believe that Peter Shirelli, every move that has been made, he has had final say in it, and no one is above him.
1: Yeah, good questions, though, from from Jack, and certainly relevant uh, given how poor the team has been for a long time. Let's go down to the Detroit dressing room. They are coached by Jeff Blashill. His comments for BDO first Call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, license and solvency trustees.
0: Well, I think
5: the most satisfying thing is that we've stayed with it. You know, uh, I think it would have been easy to, to feel sorry for ourselves after playing pretty darn good hockey and losing. And, yeah, we started this game the way we have the last number of games. We played very, very good hockey for two periods. So our pressure was good we, we um, I thought we had the better of the play uh, for, for two periods so um, good for us for that we found a way to stay to, to, to end up with you know playing good and winning and, and we've talked about that you can't uh, it was certainly not satisfying to play good and lose you got to find a way to play good and win so we were able to do that but obviously the third goal was big uh, we had some good sacrifice late they pushed hard in the third um, uh, we weren't good enough in our D zone coverage uh, spent too much time there but but in the end, uh, they're going to push. you got to find a way to win. We did that tonight. He got an all-star performance out of your yeah. there in the third. Yeah, he was excellent. Uh, he was excellent in the third. Uh, you know, he's been good good throughout the year. That's why he's on the all-star, uh, or in the all-star game. Um, but I thought he was excellent in the third. He, he's got a he's got a big-time competitiveness to him. Um, he, that's something that struck me from the first uh, time I've coached him. Um, he grinds to win hockey games, and so uh, he, he was a big factor in us winning. How nice
2: to see Glenn Denning score, you know, with all the other
5: things he does for you guys yeah Luke Luke's had a really good year uh, Luke's an excellent uh, really really uh, excellent useful player in a sense that he can do so many different things he wins faceoffs. obviously had some huge blocks the one goal is a result of his block um, you're, you're using him in lots of different situations but uh, you know he's got he's a really good athlete he's got an ability to score so good for him to score
1: all right, that's Jeff Blashill. His Detroit Red Wings knock off the Edmonton Oilers 3 2 at Rogers Place. Three losses in a row for Edmonton. They fall below 500. The Wings get only their fifth win since de- December 10th. We'll take a quick timeout. Steve up next on the open line. Reed and Rob in Studio 99. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line.
0: Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction.
4: This is the
0: Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers
1: Radio, 630-10. Luke Glenn Denning scores twice, leading the Red Wings to a 3-2 win over the Oilers. Dylan Larkin with the other Detroit goal. Leon Dreisaitl and Matt Benning with the Oilers goals. Dreisaitl also had an assist as the Oilers lose all three on this three-game homestand. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Studio 99. Thanks a lot for joining us. We have Steve at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hello, Steve.
3: Hello, uh, Robin Reed. Um, just a couple of things uh, I've been noticing the last couple of games. Lots of passes to nobody. Uh, you know, uh, tonight, for example, I watched Nurse. You know, he's not under pressure. He goes. It's off the wall and out uh, to no uh, to nobody. You know, uh, they go. They're, they're they're not under pressure they're going and making the uh, going to make a pass and to nobody it's either to the opposition or there's just nobody there when there's yep. where the yep. pass is going i just don't understand it like the absolute lack of focus that this team has had over the last uh, three or four games and even going back further than uh, further than that to when they were actually playing half decent it's still a thing it's always a pass to nobody and it, it, it just drives me nuts uh, no, what do you guys think on it
2: you're right and, uh, and honestly tonight Connor McDavid on the power play three times same thing he, he passed to pucks where he thought guys were and they weren't to me it's it, a lot of it is a team that is flustered frustrated tentative hesitant um, normally, you know where a guy is. you expect him to be where he's supposed to be, and you put a puck there and he's not there. That's also could play into the fact that uh, they, they, they shuffle the line so much. Different guys have different tendencies, where they should be, where you want them to be, and if it's someone different out there, well, he's not where he's supposed to be, and frankly, some of the passes were on the guy making the passes, fault just bad passes and there were some that they put it where the guy was supposed to be and he wasn't there i think i mean you could go through the the game film tonight especially the first 40 minutes and you can find five or six things on each player that you're like okay you know what he needs to be better in this in this area and he just wasn't that's why through 40 minutes the others were where they were
1: yeah i mean they don't they don't get the puck out efficiently enough Mm -hmm. and that kills the zone time and then again when they get it in the zone it's not sustained or it's not... I mean, the, the third period, they finally just...
2: Well, they just played one line. It, I guess
1: we could, they played <laughs> one line, and they also said, to heck with it, I guess we'll just keep shooting and <laughs> see if we can get a bounce or two. Well, and
2: it's what they should have been doing the whole time. Right, exactly. And, and, so, and, and, I've, like, play, and I've played for Hitch, too, where he, I, I've been on power plays where Hitch has said, you know what, one pass and shoot. He goes, I don't care who has the puck. You know, I'm sick and tired of you guys passing the puck around. Right, One pass and shoot. And, and you get mad when you're that guy. You're like, I've got a guy wide open, but nope, you've got to shoot the puck. And he does that for an extended period of time until he allows you to start making plays again. Now, it would be a little tougher doing it on this team, but I wouldn't be surprised that he threw some of the things. Another one was first five minutes of the game, unless you have an odd man, rush, you dump the puck in and go and hit someone.
1: Quickly face-off trivia. That was one by Shannon. Against what team did Roy Halliday throw a no-hitter in the 2010 playoffs? Of course, the late Roy Halladay elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame today. Cincinnati Reds the answer, so Shannon goes into the grand prize draw. For a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card courtesy Alpine Credits, homeowners get approved alpinecredits.ca. Oilers lose 3-2. Let's get a couple more calls in here. We have Cleary on the line. Hey, Cleary, thanks for calling. Hello, Cleary, do we have you? Hi, guys. How's it going tonight? Oh, doing pretty good. Thanks for calling. Oh,
3: thank you very much, Jake. My call. I just have a quick quest, Not really a question. Just gonna get your guys' feelings on why NHL teams decide to pay their guys so much. I understand, like, yeah, you have to pay your top guys, but don't you think as players you would see what's going on around the league and with L.A., with Chicago, and now with Edmonton, when you pay your top guys $10 million plus, there's not enough money to go around. So do you i just want to get your guys's opinion on i know you have to pay your top guys and as a player you're going to get what you think you can get but don't you think at some point you would see other teams and be like okay well maybe we should uh, spread the wealth around as a player like when does a, when does the blame start to come back on players is what i'm I, trying to get
2: at i i'd say n- never it's, it's not a play i mean in any job if you work at ibm you work as a teacher you work as a police officer I mean you're going to if someone offers you a contract you're not going to say no to it. The Pittsburgh Penguins won two Stanley Cups when they had with Malkin and Crosby making the money that they're making. Yeah, they built the team They back. built a team around them and they just built a better hockey club the, the the Washington Capitals last year Ovechkin makes pretty good pretty good dough. They won the they won the the Stanley Cup last year. So no, it's it's imperative on a team when you start in Toronto Maple Leafs, you're going to go through this in Toronto. They've got some big contracts. And, okay, you're going to give your top players this much money. Well, you better draft well. You better uh, find players that are good bargain players for what you need them to do and do that way. Well, you're never going to tell a player, you know what, you should probably take less because it would be better if we could find another player and we'll give him some of your money. It doesn't happen in, in anywhere in the walk of life. So I don't think you're going to expect these players to do. An NHL career or a hockey career is very, very short. They're going to get as much as they can uh, for, for what they do. And they, all they want to do is get paid for what they they deserve, and I don't think anyone here is going to question what Connor McDavid's getting paid.
1: All right, uh, we'll get Alex in here before we break. Alex, go ahead. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep, yeah, go ahead, man. Hey, I
3: just got two quick questions. Um, the Shirelli, all this Shirelli heated conversations going on, uh, as far as, like, management, like, above Shirelli, they can't really, like, pull the pin on Shirelli, and, like, I guess his, like, nucleus of uh, scouts and stuff, I guess that'd be kind of a bad idea before the draft and all that kind of stuff. I would just like your guys' thoughts on that. And my second question, um you guys brought up the all the line changes that these guys go through and how the players, you know, every time they step on the ice, they seem to be playing with a different player every time, right? So yeah. how do they, is it time for Hitchcock to say, you know what, okay, McDavid, all you guys are like our best chance on line one and like Nuge and like Terra line two and that's what we're sticking with get used to play with each other and let's ride it out is that
1: that's that's a good question?
3: it's a
2: good question and in a, in a perfect world yes it'd be much better for a team for chemistry if they could set have set lines and go with them for the continued for an extended period of time I just think that Ken Hitchcock as well as Todd McCullum before him haven't found the guys that they feel they're capable of playing on a consistent basis to get that ice time and earn that top line or second line billing.
1: And if they have a, a new GM whenever that happens, he, he would probably replace the, the scouting staff uh, or bring out his or, or get the guys he would want. But yes, for this upcoming draft, this is a huge hypothetical, it would probably be Information from some of the existing guys and whatever intel he brings on his own.
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah,
1: well, that's a good question for sure. If something uh, happens, of course, uh, management-wise or otherwise with the Oilers, we will bring it to you here on 630 Ched, Tonight, we brought you another disappointing game. Detroit 3, Oilers 2 at Rogers Place. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer and Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. Next Oilers game is Saturday, February 2nd, 9.30 face-off show, 11 a.m. start time in Philadelphia. We will broadcast the All-Star game 6 o'clock on Saturday. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers lose 3-2 to the wings. Have a great night.